Welcome to Faith That Works in Real Life, the weekly sermon podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's get started. Well, um, our, uh, our gospel reading is uh, from Mark's gospel, and um, we're going to hear from in Mark's gospel the next few weeks anyway, according to our lectionary that we follow. And, uh, but it continues our story of hearing about Jesus calling new disciples. And uh, this is an important time. So uh, anyhow, um, it's the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Friends, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you know this song, you can join me. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Melt me and mold me. This is what I pray. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you. Dear God, let that be our prayer today, that simple song. Change our heart that we might be like you. Help us to trust in your words, in your promises, and in your love. And when we're scared to let go, when we're scared to change, when we're scared to trust, send your spirit to encourage us, to shape us, to mold us, so that we can continue to grow 
in faith and to be like you. Now let the words that I speak be your words and may they bring you glory and honor. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So uh, it's been a few weeks since I preached and uh, everyone was telling me how you know, it's been nice. The services have been getting done sooner, <laughs> been shorter. Um, we had some great messages last week. Uh, Pastor Brian preached an amazing message um, on about following Jesus and um, about who we come to see. Come and see. We come and see who Jesus is. Right? And then uh, at the installation, we had a great, great uh, ceremony, uh, service. Uh, it, it, it was good um, uh, to see uh, Pastor Brian filled with emotion and, and overcome by the moment. And, um, and, and our bishop, uh, Bishop Bill, he, he preached another wonderful message. He does okay sometimes. Um, he, <laughs> he, uh, he preached another one, and he talked about, you know, what really matters, right? What really matters, what really matters is love. Uh, so I, I've been been taking in the word, the message. It's, it's been not, it's kind of neat. It's it's new territory for me. Um, you know, the last nine years I've been preaching almost every Sunday, and now to kind of have a, a break here and there, you know, work half a day a week, is um, <laughs> it's pretty nice. Uh, I'm getting I'm, I'm liking it. I'm finding some rhythm there. But um, you know, has anybody here ever preached before? Nobody's like, you're going to call me up here. <laughs> uh, um, most people re- really don't know, you know, what goes into preaching. I mean, we all kind of have a testimony, and we think, boy, I'd like to get up there and share my story or tell people um, what to do. But it, probably the average person thinks, we just, you know, we just stand up here, and we stand at the pulpit and open our mouths, and the words just come out. And, uh, and sometimes you wish you could just turn them off, but it doesn't work like that. Um, and, and that's true if, if you only have one sermon to preach. You know, there, there's people that go on circuits. Um, I've been on a revival circuit where I flew to different places in the country. And, you know, I can preach the same sermon. And you get really good at it. It's, you know, and, and it's really effective. And you got some stories that you can interchange, but... Um, because it's a, a, a one and done, you know, you can kind of use it over and over, um, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's an important uh, part of ministry to be able to do that. But um, when a preacher has to come up with a sermon uh, each week for the same congregation, week in and week out, year after year, it becomes tricky business. It's not always that easy. I mean, think about it. I mean, 52 weeks, you know, on average, you, you know, preach 50 times, 50 weeks, um, plus you throw in 25 or 30 weddings and funerals. You throw in the special services. Um, you throw in three or four Bible studies each week. You, um, you know, you add in uh, the youth groups and the newsletters and the letters and the devotions that you lead and you know, easily you're around 200 kinds of messages uh, throughout the year. You guys feeling bad for me yet? <laughs> but I imagine, you know, you, 
and, and I understand, most folks probably don't realize the hours of blood and sweat and toil and tears that go into writing a sermon. The old rule of thumb used to be that um, for each minute of preaching, you had an hour of study. There's not enough hours in the week for as long as I preach. So anyway, um, but, you know, with computers, it's, it's changed things a lot and digital resources and all that. But, you know, there, there's just really not any shortcuts. I mean, there's lots of things out there, and they say, hey, check this out. Make your preaching easier, la, la, la. But you know what? Um, it's just plain work. And, and here's the thing, because you're trying to tell the old, old story in a new way. You want people to hear it in a new way. And so I like to come up with something new. I like to be creative. I, I, I want to reach you where you're at. Um, sermons are, are built. Uh, you start with a scripture and an idea, and you find ways of making it come alive for the listeners. You know, and I, I know we're Lutheran here, right? The, the frozen chosen. I mean, you guys don't stand up and clap or give me an amen very often. But I know I get the nods. Yeah. yeah. I think you're awake. I, mean, I think that's what it means. Um, but, but, you know, we, 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 uh, we erase, we change, we pray, we agonize, we preach. And it's not always in that order. But... Uh, uh, you know, and, and when something new comes to you, you're like, yeah, fine, I got something, right? Uh, but I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed at the way in which God sometimes uses my, my poor, uh, frail human words to communicate the good news. In our, in our gospel today, Mark says this. He says, after John was arrested, now that's important, right, because John now diminishes. His ministry's done, right? He dies in prison. He dies for preaching the word, right? John's done. So Jesus succeeds John, right? Jesus comes to Galilee, and it says, proclaiming or preaching the good news. Now, that may not seem like anything earth-shattering to you, but the the, but I suggest this morning that this is nothing less than amazing, right? Of all the methods that God might have chosen to change the world, the frailty of our human words is just about the most surprising. I mean, I find it incredible that God would launch God's movement to save the world in such a frail vessel of preaching. Even, even Paul, the Apostle Paul, says it's surprising. He says in 1 Corinthians, he says, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased through the folly of what was preached, right? <laughs> through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Uh, my dad gave me lots and lots of books, and... Um, I probably read most of them. Um, but there's one in particular. No, there were several that I've, there are several that I've read. But uh, one is written by a uh, 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 long time ago by uh, Pastor George Buttrick. And in it, he says this. Jesus could have written books. Instead, Jesus came preaching, and he trusted his most precious sayings 
to the blemished reputation and precarious memory of his closest friends. He didn't write it down. He preached it. He spoke it. And those that were around and those that heard did their best to write it down for us, to share it with us. Faith That Works in Real Life is brought to you by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. To learn more about how to connect with our church community, please visit messiahlc.com. Let's get back to the message. You know, Christianity is not something you talk about. It's something you do. It's something you live, right? And sitting through sermons is a major Christian activity because you're supposed to be actively listening. You're supposed to be hearing the words, right? And that's not all we're called to do, right? We want deeds to come from the words, right? Um, Words are deeds. The ancient Greeks had a saying, by words alone, our lives of mortals swayed. The talkers are the doers. And that is, if what they talk about is important, right? Think about it. The greatest doer of all was called the word. And the words that start with him have changed people's lives changed nations, changed our world, right? And and, and what a preacher says can even slightly alter the direction of a person's life when they leave church. The effect could go beyond what any of us could comprehend. Because what people think determines everything. President Lincoln said, with the public sentiment, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. It's got to matter to you. Physicians and farmers labor to keep people alive. Preachers labor to make lives worth living. That's worth doing. Actions are important, but words motivate actions. So what is this good news that Jesus proclaims? He begins like this. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. People need the kingdom of heaven in their life today. They need to know that God cares for them in an intimate and personal way today. The kingdom of God is near to those who will hear Christ's message and believe that message. The kingdom of God is not just here, but it's also now. You know, contrary to many teachings, Christianity is not a religion primarily concerned with life after death. Let me say that again. It is not primarily concerned with life after death. Christianity is concerned with the here and the now. 
Its message is not about dying. It's about living. Jesus says he is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. I know all about dying with my bout of alcoholism. I know how to die. I wanted to die because I didn't know how to live. That's the challenge, isn't it? How do we live through all the stuff that we have to go through? When someone dies, when relationships fall apart, when we lose a job, this or that, whatever you think of, how do we live through it? That's what Christianity is about. What I didn't know was how to live. And Jesus says, I have come that people may have life and have it to the fullest. Christianity is not nearly as concerned about the last day as it is this day. This is the day the Lord has made. You know, there are many people who think that when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he was talking about heaven. Some day, some pie in the sky, right? By and by, sweet by and by. He's talking about the kingdom of the here and now. He taught us to pray for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven is like, not the kingdom of heaven will be like when you get there. The kingdom of heaven is like this today. This is what it's supposed to be like. On one occasion he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. It's today that really matters. And God has come near today. That is what this text means. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near now. That's the first part of the good news. The second part of Jesus' good news says this. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, if there's one biblical word that I feel, in my humble opinion, that is most misinterpreted and misunderstood, it's the word repent. Many people think repentance means being sorry for one's sins. Others believe it's deciding to stop sinning or even turning from sin. And there's a long history of it being interpreted that way, even preached that way. You know, and and the problem is this gives the impression that people must change their lives before they come to Christ rather than be changed by Christ. The word is meta-noeo. Meta-noeo. Meta. Meta means after. Noeo means to exercise your brain or to think, to perceive. In classical Greek, it means 
to think or perceive afterwards, right? Kind of as opposed to considering before, repent is an afterthought or reflection that we have afterwards. But eventually it came to mean change one's mind or purpose. So when Jesus uses the word repent, he means change your mind from trusting your righteousness to trusting God's mercy and grace. It means change your mind about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. There's another Pastor Brian, not as well known as our Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian Stoffergen is his name. Is it, I think he's, he might be retired now, but he's, he's written lots of commentaries on the gospel readings for the lectionary. And uh, he, he says something here that I love that I, that I want to share. He says this, repentance properly, un, properly understood is an I can't experience rather than an I can experience. If repentance is promising God I can do better, then we are still trying to keep ourselves in control of our lives. Think about it. If we can do better, we don't need a gracious God. We need a patient God who's willing to wait long enough for us to do better. When we come before God and say, I can't do better, then and only then are we dying to ourselves. Then we are giving up control of our lives. We are throwing our sinful lives to the mercy of God. In fact, we are inviting God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. To change us and recreate us. Like we say in the Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. In AA, which, by the way, was, um, if I hadn't told you this before, it really has its roots from a Lutheran pastor. A Lutheran pastor started what's called the Oxford Movement in 1921. He was ELCA, of course. Missouri Synod. I'm just kidding. I, no, I think he was. He, his roots, right? He, he went to the, the, the theological seminary in Philadelphia, which is an ELCA seminary. But, um, and it's squirrel. All right. In uh, AA, the first three steps, which every help, self-help program copies, right? And they change it. We admitted we were powerless over, whatever, alcohol and AA, right? You change, you add whatever you need to add there, right? We admitted we were powerless. That's the first one. Number two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us. And three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to that power. Those are the first three steps, right? We admitted we were powerless, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could help us, and then we make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to that power. 
Friends, that is repentance, right? And I changed it just, just so you can, can kind of see here because maybe you've heard this before. Maybe, maybe you've heard this, right? Step one, in the parentheses, see the brackets behind there? I can't. Step one says, I can't. Step two says, God can. And step three says, I think I'll let God. I can't. God can. I think I'll let God do it. I think I'll let God have my life and change it the way it's supposed to be. That's true repentance. That is what repentance looks like. That is the good news of repentance. Repent and believe that God can change us. You don't have to do it. God will do it for you. Doesn't mean we don't do things in the process of it, but it means that we let the control of our lives go to God. I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. Say it with me. I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. Change my heart, oh God. Thanks be to God. This is the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to Faith That Works in Real Life, a podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Please follow us on social media and listen to our podcast on your favorite platform.